So, um, thinking back on last week's talk by Sam, I wonder how many of you went on a walk of thankfulness for God's creation this week. Did any of you go on a walk of thankfulness? Good job, 10 points. I was incredibly challenged by what Sam had to say about the wonder of creation and what its structure and order has to say about the character of God. I don't know whether you were as well. I was also challenged to think about our responsibility to look after his creation and make very wise, informed choices about how we look after it. That comes in a week after we saw the death of 10,000 emperor penguins. The the chicks, they died due to the ice disappearing as a result of global warming. I thought that was quite something following Sam's talk. We as Christians should treasure God's creation and should be leading the way in looking after it, even if it means us making some difficult choices. Anyhow, if you've been following along with the Immerse series, looking at the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, over the past week you will have started with the creation and you will have read all about Noah and the flood and eventually would have been introduced to a character called Abram, who we are going to look at in more detail today. Now, this coming week... The reading plan is from Genesis 15 all the way through to Genesis 30. So, back to Abram. At the start of our journey, he has the name Abram. But as time goes on, and as you journey with him, you will see that his name changes to Abraham, which is the name that you probably know him by. A bit like Peter in the New Testament, I think you have to like Abram. Because... Although he was a man of God, he so often found it hard to put his faith into action. And so many times he got it wrong, just like Peter did. His life really was a series of ups and downs, ups and downs, a bit like you and me. So before we read together from Genesis 15, I thought I would show you my Bible. Now, This is much harder to do with one hand, as I said, but we'll have a go. Oh, my able assistant. Thank you. I've got an Inspire Bible. It's purple, my favourite colour, and it is, in fact, a colouring in Bible. So you can colour it in. As you can see, I'm getting there slowly, but even through the Bible, there's little things to colour Uh, James bought it for me as a birthday present a little while ago, and I've been working my way through it. Thank you, able assistant. Thank you. Um, It will probably take me years to complete, um, but as I've been doing it, I've been able to think on the verses that I've been colouring in, um, and it's reminded me that it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be coloured with love and with thoughtfulness. Um, And as you enjoy colouring that the piece of the verses just seem to wash over you. So I thought I'd show you my Bible. Now, if you've got your Bible with you today, you can join in, or you can follow on the screen behind. We're going to uh, be reading uh, Genesis 15, verses 1 to 21. And it's all about the Lord's covenant promise to Abram. 
Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abraham replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abraham presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abraham chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abraham saw a smoking firepot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Debuzites. So, at the time we are meeting with Abraham, he is in fact 85 years old. And his wife, who at this time was called Sarah, was, Sarai, was not a lot younger than him and was definitely past the age where she could normally get pregnant. Humanly speaking, it was impossible for them to have a baby. And yet, here is God telling Abraham yet again that he will be blessed and his descendants will be more numerous than stars in the sky. It's not really surprising that Abram is beginning to have a bit of a wobble 
in his faith, is it? And it's probably not helped by the fact that Abraham has been told this for a second time. The first time, the initial time that he was told that he was, God was going to bless him with, his heir, with an heir was 10 years previously when he was 75. Therefore, at the time that our story is set, he has already waited 10 years. And he's beginning to think that it will never, ever happen. But God knows how Abraham's feeling. He, you will note at the beginning of our reading, it says, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. He understands that Abraham is beginning to lose heart. And I think it's lovely that God shows absolutely no anger when Abraham, with Abraham, when he turns around to him and says, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, and he goes on to talk about Eliezer becoming a servant, the servant becoming the heir. You, you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. He basically says to God, well, that's all very well and easy for you to say, but it's just not happening, is it? He's very honest with God about how he is feeling. And he throws back in God's face the promise. Because quite frankly, he's waited long enough. He's waited 10 years already and nothing's happened. He effectively blames him for not providing the son. God is so gracious with him though. He simply reiterates with him that it will happen and he will be blessed. A righteous, all-powerful God would have been quite within his rights to turn around and say, well, if that's your attitude and you don't think I can do it, but no, God wasn't like that. In our passage, Abraham has a moment of clarity and it says that he believed God, but then just a few minutes later, he has a wobble again and says, oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure? How can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Does God get angry this time? Does he say, this is the final straw. I've given him plenty of chances. No, he doesn't. Instead, God gets Abraham to do something practical with his hands and to occupy his mind as an act of worship. And I think there's a lot we can learn there. He gets him to make a sacrifice of animals. And he then falls, when he falls asleep, it gives God the opportunity to show him a vision of what is to come. Your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. And as for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. Abram has been looking at the here and the now. He's been looking at the here and the now. But God shows him in his dream that God is thinking much more long term, 400 years ahead in fact. He will fulfill the promise, but in his time, not Abram's time. The flaming torch and the smoking firepot 
that then passes over and between the sacrifice is actually a bit of a sneak preview of what will happen in the desert as God walks with the Israelites as they are fleeing the Egyptians. When we come to this further on in the Immerse series, we see how God appears as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night as he guides them on their journey. And this is a bit of a sneak preview, a hint of what is going to happen. But the whole time, God deals kindly with Abraham and with compassion as he reminds him that he has chosen him to be the father of a great nation that God will bless. Even though Abraham has wobbles of faith that doesn't cause God to withdraw from him, it doesn't cause him to get angry with him, it doesn't cause him to get frustrated with him. And what I like about this story about Abraham, who later changes his name to Abraham, and his wife's name gets changed to Sarah. I like the fact that this guy is real. He's real. He has so many ups and downs in his journey with God, so much like us. And you'll find that out as you read the story further. Genesis doesn't hide the fact that he's not a perfect guy at all. One minute, he is in being an incredible man of faith, such as the time as God tested him and told him to sacrifice his long-awaited son. Abraham did as he was told, and God waited until the very last minute to see how faithful Abraham would be before he stopped him and told him it was just a test. On the one hand, you've got that act of amazing faith and trust in God. And then the next minute, he was panicking and lying. And he was trying to protect his own skin. On two different occasions, Abraham lied and told the people that his wife was actually his sister. Because he was frightened that he would get killed because they wanted Sarah for their wife. On two different occasions, he lied just to save his own skin. And then again, despite this wonderful encounter that we've just read about, with God making these promises and reassurances to Abraham that he, God, was looking at the long term and not the short term, Abraham tripped up again. He waited a whole year after this event and then decided that still God wasn't acting quick enough and decided to take matters into his own hands and father a child with Sarah's maid, Hagar. God had made it plain that this was not the plan. This was not the plan that he had made. But no, Abraham had waited a whole year and he had started to doubt again. And Abraham, deciding to act on his own, caused endless amounts of trouble in the future between his true heir and Sarah and his illegitimate son and, her, and his mother. And I do wonder sometimes if because of him taking matters into his own hands, it caused God to make him wait another 14 years until he was 100 years of age. Now that's a total of 25 years of waiting since his original promise was made before he finally, finally saw the birth of his long-awaited son to his wife Sarah. Genesis makes it abundantly clear that despite being a man of God, Abraham's family was incredibly dysfunctional, as you will find out as you read on through the book. And I'm sure if Facebook had been around then, there would have been cool posts of, you know, the whole family at the well, baby, 
and there would have been a couple of miserable people in the back. Um, but you know how you see perfect families on Facebook? Well, no family's perfect, and Abraham's was no different, incredibly dysfunctional. So we've learned about all of this, but what has this story and the life of Abraham got to teach us today? How is it relevant, and what can we learn from it? One, I think the first thing we learn is that God has a plan, and we have to trust him and obey him even when things seem impossible. God has a plan. I remember hearing the story of a railway worker and an incident that occurred many, many years ago. Um, this railway worker was a father, and he had a little girl who absolutely adored him. She was quite young and used to wait for him to return home from work. But one day, she decided she wasn't going to wait any longer, and she escaped from her mother and decided to go and meet her father on his way home from work. It must have been a parent's worst nightmare. As he was walking home along the path by the side of the railway track, here he saw his little daughter toddling along the track towards him. Behind her was an oncoming train. He knew that there was not going to be time to run and scoop her up in his arms and get her out of the way of the moving train. So he did the only thing that he could do. He shouted. He told her to lie down flat immediately, keep her arms in and keep still. She looked at her father, paused for a moment, and then dropped straight to the floor and lay perfectly still. The train passed straight over her and she was completely unhurt. If she had stopped to argue with her father or look around and make her own plan, it would have been too late. But she chose to obey him without question and it saved her life. We need to show such childlike faith and trust in our Heavenly Father. God had a plan for Abraham and he has a plan for each of us too. And just as he had a plan for the children of Israel when they were um, put into, uh, they were taken away from their home. And it, it says in Jeremiah, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So we have to trust God. The second thing we can learn is we must be faithful. We must be faithful and do what God has told us to do. And sometimes we have to accept God's timings are not our own. God's timings are not our own. We so often miss the point. It's God's timings, not ours, that matter. Abraham was looking at the here and the now. God showed him that he was looking at the much bigger picture. He was looking 400 years ahead. We so often look at the here and now, don't we? Forgetting that we are just travelling through this world and our final destination is heaven. Everything that happens here is for our eternal good. The third thing, it's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to be honest with God. In fact, he doesn't want anything other than honesty from you and me. If we are sad, tell him. If we are angry, tell him. 
If we are worried, tell him. If we are happy, tell him. If we are frustrated, tell him. If we are lonely, tell him. He was so patient with Abraham and he will be with us too. Number four, when Abraham was feeling low and was doubting, God got him to do something practical with his hands as an act of worship. When we are feeling low and a bit lost, turning our hands to doing something practical as an act of worship and service to God will so often make us feel so much better. He got him being busy, but being busy for him. And the fifth thing, sometimes we have to wait patiently for prayer to be answered. How often are we cast down when prayer seems to be unanswered? Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. My grandfather prayed for years and years and years for my father. My father had been brought up in a loving Christian family and then served in the Second World War and came home a man far from God. He respected my grandfather, but he strayed a long way from the life he'd known as a child. He strayed a long way from the God that he'd been taught about when he was growing up. And it caused my grandfather a lot of hurt. But he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed for my father to come and know Jesus. He died long before I was born and never, ever saw his prayers answered. But my father did come back to God when I was a young teenager and it had a profound effect on me. He always described himself as a sinner saved by grace. Just because granddad didn't see his prayers answered didn't mean that they wouldn't be answered or that God was not listening. God was still listening, and God did have a plan. How often have we prayed for family, for friends, and loved ones, and we haven't seen our prayers answered? Don't worry. God hears our prayers. He has a plan. We just need to keep praying, keep believing, and trusting him. That old chorus comes to mind. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. If only Abraham could have read Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. When I was at school, we used to joke about saying, God, give me patience, and I want it now. And I think that's so often the case, isn't it? Sam read last week from Romans 8, and it struck me as so relevant to what we we can learn for Abraham's story. Because in verse 25, it says, But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. But, you know, that chapter goes on to say something else too. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That can take some faith to believe sometimes, can't it? That can take some faith to believe when you are going through something 
really, really tough. I remember a time in my life when I lay on my bed and I cried out to God and I said, how can this be for my good? I don't understand it. But the truth is, Christians are all on a journey being moulded by God for their eternal good. And there will be times in your life when you look back at the journey and you will be able to think on what God says to his people in Deuteronomy 8, verse 26. Remember, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Remember, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Abraham's very complicated life, though amazingly blessed, would have been so much easier if he'd only trusted and obeyed. So as I get the band to come back up, I'd like you to think on the week ahead. How are you going to take what we have learnt from the life of Abraham and God's promises and God's covenant with him and apply it to your life this week? One, are you going to keep on praying in faith for whatever it is you have been discouraged about? Are you going to keep on praying? Maybe someone you love or you care about or there's a real difficult particular situation occurring in your life. Don't give up praying. Keep praying. Are you going to talk honestly with God about how you are feeling? God doesn't like masking. He likes you to be honest with him. And are you going to do something practical as an act of worship and service, even though you might be struggling right now? Now, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a simple thing like colouring in a Bible and verses ringing somebody up and praying with it could, it could be a small thing but something practical as an act of worship to stop you thinking about yourself and thinking about him and how you can serve him are you going to say to God I will trust you I will trust that you have a plan for me and I will trust that you have a plan for my life are you going to trust and obey not trying to take matters into your own hands but instead Wait patiently for God. Now, I would like to take that verse in Proverbs and change it very slightly and make it into a prayer for our lives this week. So if you could close your eyes, I'm going to pray this prayer over us. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and I will not depend on my own understanding. I will seek his will in all I do and trust that he will show me which path to take. Amen. Thank you.